you don't actually have a choice but to get on with your day. I've had one of those days today. It's the anticipation. It comes every year. It's just completely shit. Welcome along. Greetings, everyone. It is episode 53 of the Still Parents podcast. Hope uh, hope everyone is well. I'm Dan. I'm here with, with Ryan and, and with Matt, as always. You know what? Because we didn't do an episode last week, and after the amount of time I've seen you recently... <laughs> feels like ages since, uh, since I saw you. It does feel a long time. Abs- absence makes the heart grow fonder, Daniel. Oh. <laughs> Evening, David. How are you, sir? Good. How are you guys? Yeah, David's back on with us today. You're actually looking quite a lot more suntanned than the yeah. last episode. <laughs> it's because he has constant nice weather, whereas yeah. you come here, it yeah, rains. I, I was out in the sun this morning, so uh, oh, there we maybe go. I'm a little sunburned. Yeah, it's, 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 it's got that healthy glow, isn't it? Where yeah. we, we've got the British Midlands greyness going on. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, it's been okay, hasn't it, the last it few has, days? It has, to be fair. It has. So, are you, uh, are you well, David? Thank you for joining us again. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad to be back. It's good to see you guys. Well, since we last spoke, it's been, it's been quite a busy time over here in the UK. We've had the King's Coronation. We have. And after the King's Coronation, Ryan and wife Amy also got invited to Buckingham Palace. Yeah, we did. Yes, yeah. we went in, to, in the uh, back garden. Did you get invited, Matt? I didn't get no, my no. invite. No, no, I didn't no, get yeah. my. No, no, no. It's too much. Look at how. To be fair, it took you about. I hadn't even thought about it. You mentioned it, Dan. So you know. Right. Yeah, myself and Amy, we received an invite from His Royal Highness King Charles the Third. King Charles the Third. To. Um, well, actually, he wasn't there, but to join other people within the Buckingham Palace Garden party. Um, so Prince William and uh, Catherine were there. They are tall. Big units. Like, they are really tall. Like, did, a lot did you... taller than I genuinely thought they were, to be honest. But she's she's beautiful. Yeah. She really is beautiful. Okay. Yeah, Kate. We didn't meet them. I was stood, I don't know, about 12 foot away from them. Yeah. Um, so you got Villa. Like a, there's like a conversation started there, right? Absolutely. Well, that's what I was hoping for. You know I, mean? I was like, hoping yeah, that he would a, come down. Have a little chat about the. Uh, oh, is he a Villa fan? He's a massive Villa fan. Massive Villa fan. Yeah, absolutely. See, also, I'd have taken. I'd have taken a football with me. I would have taken a Still Parents podcast hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give it. Yeah. The Give pop, it to William. What was, the, what was the reason for the invite? Well, how did how did you get that? Um, he blagged it. He, yeah. <laughs> they, they gate crashed. He just turned off on the day. Um, we were we were nominated, David, because of the work we do for the charity. And and I'm going to be honest here. Amy was the one that received the nomination and chose to take me. You the plus I mean, one yeah. as the plus one. But yeah, we were nominated That's to great. to That's attend. Great. Yeah, it was a, a a nice day, a very unusual day, what? not what I expected. Yeah. What? Okay. So what actually? What were you expecting? And what actually was it? Well, we got there and we were let in through the the main palace gates at the front at the end of the mall. Yeah, mall, mall, mall. mall. <laughs> the end of the. I can't even pronounce that bloody word. Mall. At the end of the massive mall. long road that goes <laughs> down to the palace, yeah. And <laughs> we were taken through there and then into the garden where they had like big tents with yeah. tea, afternoon tea. And that same garden oh, we saw on the TV footage for the coronation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then we had like afternoon tea soft drinks and stuff and then there was just loads of other people from around the UK that had been invited and then they had um, dignitaries as well and the royal tent so I think it was Prince Ed- Prince Edward was there as well Hello City Spot uh, so Prince Edward Did you take your autograph book <laughs> my autograph book <laughs> can you sign this please can you sign this? and um... put it to Ryan it's my mate not me <laughs> <laughs> but no it was um, and then literally we just sat and ate um, afternoon tea 
some, you know, posh sandwiches yeah, and some nice Victorian sponge and things like that with some tea and some lemon squash. I'm going to sound Lovely. really cynical here because obviously I'm jealous and it's an amazing thing. Mm. But the other part of me goes, you went all the way down there for a meal deal. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> meal <laughs> for, deal. For a free feed. <laughs> a sandwich and a cake. <laughs> a royal, royal meal deal. It was a free feed. And then when we were on our way home, and you know what it's like at Euston Station when you get there and you've got that pub. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we obviously had to have a drink in the pub. And then I finished it off with a Burger King. Lovely, yeah. Did nice. Yeah, yeah you got it right. Yeah, because I had a missed video call on WhatsApp from Ryan, <laughs> and I, before I phoned him back, I said to my wife Lee, and I said he's doing something because it's the only time he video called me. <laughs> the last time he video called me, he was on holiday with a pint, so I was like, I yeah. missed it. He doesn't want to talk about work; he just wants to show me where he is with his yeah. pint. So yeah. I phoned him back, and there he was in that same pub that we went on to after yeah. the yeah. range. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. It was it was a good experience. It was yeah. a nice experience. And um, we're getting an OBE next, MBE. Which, <laughs> which one is it? I don't do things for rewards, mate. <laughs> no, honestly, and I put that, I, I genuinely put that on my LinkedIn after I did say, I don't, we don't do what we no. do for yeah, rewards. Yeah. We don't do this for rewards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, we yeah. do this for a reason. But at the same time, it is nice yeah. every now and then to be acknowledged yeah. for what you do. So, David, we had you on. It was two, two weeks ago. Two weeks. Two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it was two weeks ago, yeah. So to get back in to, to David's story, you can hear the whole episode part one. You can go listen to that right now and then rejoin us on this one. I would like to, if you don't mind, just get more into how th- your loss affected things like your work and your relationships, especially your relationship with your wife. Um, if you could just remind everyone what you do for a living again, it's quite an exciting yeah, job, yeah. David Kashmir. I, I, I edit uh, television and movies, essentially. Yeah. Says that very casually, doesn't he? But that's, that's like, whoa, no way. <laughs> <laughs> you, you won't believe what I've been telling my mates. You, I've, been, I've, I've had the guy from Planet of the Apes on my podcast. <laughs> well, it's, you know, everyone everyone in this town does does something of that sort. So yeah, I guess yeah. I'm just sort of like used yeah. to it. Yeah. So with your job, is it is it what sort of hours would you be doing anyway? I'm guessing it's project-led, isn't it? So it, it gets quite intense, yeah, doesn't uh, it? I work freelance, so I... I go from project to project and you know when this all happened I just happened to be on the end of a project I'm sort of when we're in the mixing stage and it's just sound yeah. based and I was able to just uh take some time off I think it took about three weeks off initially right away there's a sense of like you know it was like impossible to do anything mm-hmm. but at the same time you wanted something to do like work just felt like maybe this will just help me give me structure, which you sort of needed. Like you still wake up in the morning and, and can't get out of bed, but you just sort of have to. Yeah. It's like a default, isn't even, it? You even, yeah. It's like a default, yeah. Yeah, and every morning, you, I think you sort of like wake up and expect it to be different somehow. Mm. You wake up and you're like, yeah, no, it's still the same. And also a bit of guilt, you know? I feel like, you know, when you work so closely with people after a while, you just feel like you're abandoning them, even though you're in pain oh. at the same time. But Guilt towards, guilt towards your colleagues. That's an interesting one. We yeah. Been... Yeah. Yeah, I did just, you know, I don't know. You feel like you're, you, you only want to be a part of it. You feel like you're, mm. you're, people are relying on you. They have been for so long, for months or, you know, at a time. And yeah. all of a sudden you're sort of out of it. And maybe just my own guilt of like leaving, of just a feeling like I'm not finishing something that I started, even though. Even though this at that time you sort of don't care, like I don't, you know, it's mm. like I knew it was okay. Even if I never went back, it would be fine, like you know. But I just I went back, I think, because I wanted something to sort of put my time into. Yeah, and it was hard, and it was very gradual. And I was able to go back just for a couple of, of hours at a time and come back home because 
the hard part of that was just leaving Barb alone at home. Um, and so I would just go in for a little bit at a time and come back. And then knowing that I would only do about two weeks, or we had about two more weeks to finish up. And then after that, I probably took about six months off and didn't didn't work again for a long time. So, so David, yeah. with, with your with your role and how it works, do you? It might sound like an obvious question, but do you deal with obviously different colleagues? Had you known them f- before that project started, or or were they literally the people that you just went in on the project with, or or what? Like, just, yeah, just uh, just met them, uh, you know, for this project. So how how Luckily, did did they react? Sorry, did they react? How did they react? Was there any reaction from them when they found out, or was there? They were very very supportive, okay. um, and very understanding. Everybody involved, you know, when I told them what was going on, everyone just said, "Take as much time as you need." You know, you don't have to come back if you don't want to. How did you feel, David, about the fact that these are people that you hadn't known for that long? It's very different, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, you know, Dynamics. We, we speak to people, obviously, who have potentially been in job roles for many, many years and know yeah. their colleagues, both on a professional level and also on a friendship level at the same time. And mm-hmm. because they've known them for such a long time, feel that they're able to maybe communicate with them maybe slightly differently to like your circumstance there where you haven't known these people. These these people are just people that you've grown to know over a certain set period of time on a project. For some reason, it was easier to talk to them. Than, Do you think that I mean, is because they they don't know you? And, and therefore, yeah. you did find it maybe that little bit easier to be able to speak to them? Yeah, I think they know you less and they don't, you know, there's not a whole, you know, there's not years of history there. Mm. I think when yeah. you have those, those friendships, those strong friendships, it's harder to like open up mm and crack open everything that you've been through. I think maybe you oftentimes, or not oftentimes, but I feel like maybe I sort of, I expected my close friends to just understand, mm-hmm. even without maybe telling them some of the details and the things that go on. Just sort of, I, I just I expected the empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think with people that I didn't know so well, I didn't have to expect that that instant feeling of empathy and, and, and understanding. I, I could sort of, sort of just accept that they didn't, mm-hmm. that they couldn't. But even, you know, that these people, you know, that helped me out, they were fantastic. And I think, you know, when you meet people and you become friends with people or like, you can, you know, you sort of register mm. what their maybe emotional depth is. And I think I, I knew that I could rely on them. Mm. That emotional intelligence, you can get a, a quick yeah. feel for where a person is with that. One thing, just to go back a few moments, what you said was you felt guilty when you went back for mm-hmm. your colleagues when, I, I don't know, because I'd feel, as if I was the colleague, my natural reaction would be to say to you, Take as long as you need. I, I find that interesting, the fact that you... We always hear the, the word guilt comes back in almost every different angle that we speak about, every different nuance on, on this podcast with everyone's story. There's the, those elements of guilt come back. And I've not heard it from that particular perspective before. That was really interesting. Yeah, that, it's a big word I, though, isn't it? Guilt. Mm, it's a big word. Yeah. I think it has something to do with like, you know, you talk about work ethic or something, but you've just been one way for so long. Yeah. And nor if anything else happened and I had to miss some work, I would just feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. And that would always be the case. And I think, you know, something like this happens, you're instantly a different person, yeah. but you don't know who that person is yet. And I mean, maybe I still don't know who that is, but I feel like I was, I was having conversations with my wife early on and, and it, there's this like emotional muscle memory that you have of yeah. who you were before all of this. Mm. And after your loss and you're sitting in your grief, and you're almost trying to get back to that. Like, yeah. if I could just get back to that space, things will be okay. I can understand life. 
and how it operates and how I operate within it, but you just can't get back there. Where are you with that right now? Because it's, like I say, it's, it's, only, it's only a year. I, I feel like I'm like, I don't know, we were talking on the last podcast about processing in the lead up to this um, anniversary. And I just sort of like said last time about processing and that's like, I don't know how much I process. I don't even know what processing is. I feel like all of this, this experience has just become part of me yeah. and who I am. I feel like now I'm, I'm a bit more comfortable in it. I don't, still don't know who this is as our, our journey continues and whether or not we're going to try again. And all, like, we're still in this really difficult place. So I feel like I haven't figured that out yet, but I'm also still processing, as you say. And I, yeah. I was very much aware of that as we went into this one year anniversary. I, and yeah. I, I don't unexpectedly, yeah. like the amount of pain that was still there, that was just under the surface. I think the difference with this, though, as well, David and, and Matt, Dan, is, is that nine times out of ten, when we, when we do things naturally in life anyway, we choose to do something because we want to do it. We make a decision because ultimately we feel that that is the best course of action for that specific thing that we're doing. And having our babies taken away is a decision that's been taken out of our hands. So therefore, when it comes down to processing it, we, we find it very difficult to process because it's not something that we've had control over being able to do. There's always going to be that where we can contrast and compare against what we would do in everyday life on a, I don't know, where we get in a car and we drive to so-and-so and we decide to take that route because yeah. it's the yeah. quicker route yeah. or because it's the shorter route. Yeah. This is like a you're being put in a car and the car is deciding exactly what you're going to do and you have no control over what's ha actually happening with it. Absolutely bang on. Yeah. It's bang on. It's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. And, it, and it's... Yeah. I've touched upon this many, many times before and I've said like the the human brain, even mine, is a wonderful thing. And um, and like... <laughs> Don't do that when I've got a mag yeah, full yeah. of water. <laughs> and... <laughs> and I think the thing is, I've always said that this whole this whole thing is too complex for the brain to understand. I don't care what anyone says because we're brought up from children to know this process in life. You're gonna you're gonna lose people who are older than you, but as soon as you lose someone who is younger than you, your mind just doesn't know how to where to go with it because it literally is, as David said and, and Ryan's touched upon it. it it's it is literally like you're on you're on autopilot, but you can't you can't even get near the fact that you're on that autopilot because you don't know how to deal with the whole experience of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the difficult part. That re that really is the difficult part. You learn techniques as you go through through the years, and you learn to manage them, and that that's the key, right? That's the key. And actually, you learn each year from the year before it's like learning a new skill in life that's how i put it it's like learning a new skill well, you said it because it's you know? experience isn't it so you get better at things through trial and error through failure through experience and you will experience these losses in your life that you expect to have you know a parents yeah. other members of your family etc but you don't have this experience or even any any learned behavior of especially your child isn't it because it's well, why would you? Until and, it happens, and there's le and also there's 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 less people to connect with. Mm. 
to start I, with. I, I was just yeah, as well. I was just yeah. about to say that it's not like you're it's not like we're yeah, yeah. we're fishing in a in a humongous pond because we're not. It, I mean, I know it, this happens to a lot of people, but in comparison to the population that we you know that we live in, it is it's a small pond effectively. And how many of those people actually would want to talk about it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the yeah. same. It, in my opinion, it's also the same in any form of loss as well, is that when you're faced with adversity in, in whatever way, shape or form, whether you've lost a baby, whether you've lost your wife, whether you've lost your husband or whatever that may be, the shock at that time, because you don't expect that, is very, very difficult to process because yeah. we are taught as we go, as, sorry, as we grow older, that like what Matt's just said there, we have an order of life. That's just naturally how we are taught and what we see on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, you go and see your grandparents or you go and see your parents or what, because they're there and they're older. Like that analogy I used earlier, you're not driving the car, the, yeah. dr the car's driving for you. That's a great analogy. It, make, it, it makes absolute sense. Makes absolute sense. I've got, I've got an observation about that too, guys. And I, I like when it comes to baby loss, and here's something I was thinking of after this all happened, is that when you're becoming a parent, especially for the first time, you have this nine month period where yeah. you're going to like sort of get ready mentally, emotionally, you're doing that. And as you get closer, you start to sort of, it's like the momentum just builds and mm. your love grows and you're, you become more excited. Mm. And this unexpected, horrible loss happens. And in our case, it was just after six months. And you fall in love with this baby immediately and then this baby dies and it's gone and you have all this love to give yeah. and all this excitement and you have this, it's like welled up inside of you and you have nowhere to put it. Mm. And the only thing you could feel is like this off, you know, like just sadness and anger and confusion. And it's like this, uh, I don't know, like this dam is like needs to burst mm. and you have to let it slowly, but there's nowhere to put it. Yeah. And it has to come out somehow and somewhere yeah. and manifests in, in other ways, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, in talking, obviously, we're talking about this processing thing. You know, we, my wife and I talk a lot about it, but I, I don't get the opportunity to talk to a lot of men about yeah, it. Yeah, that's saying. for certain. And, and I think, you know, there's different conversations that you'd have with men, obviously. Mm, absolutely. Um, and this is why this is such a valuable thing, this podcast. And to hear you guys talk about it with other people. I mean, I do have a question for you guys. Go for it. Now that you've done this for 50, 50 episodes and heard a lot of stories and had a lot of conversations, and how is it for you guys to have to how what's the effect that it's had on you to, you, to talk about it so much and so often? That's so, so it's it's ironic, David, it, to some extent that you ask us that question this evening because myself and Matt were having a, a conversation before Dan got here. And so you're way trying to sound late. <laughs> no, it, it, myself and I'm and I'm not going to go into the the depths of what we were talking about, but I'll just I'll scout around the edges of it. Is that because of what we do on a on a daily basis with bereaved parents, whether that is through social media, whether that's through face to face, whether that is through the work that we do within the office where we don't have bereaved parents in with us, we work around baby death every single day, and it's always on our mind every single minute of every single day. And even even though we are, you know, like, I mean, I'm 13 years down the line after losing Lily. Matt is nearly seven years uh, down the line from Cali and, and so forth, mm -hmm. that we learn strategies, we learn ways that we can switch off, that we can cope, that we can be able to divert our attention from something to something else. And when we speak 
to bereaved parents and we speak to them in one-to-one sessions and stuff like that, people quite often forget that what we're effectively doing is taking somebody else's grief on ourselves, and then dispelling it, if you like, out the window as soon as they leave that room. But what people then forget is actually then we have to have a get out as well because we're dealing with so many different stories, so many emotional people, so many emotional stories, so many differing stories at the same time. Somebody asked me the other day, actually, I can't remember who it was, but somebody asked me the other day about the podcast and why we do what we do and and how do we feel now we're 50 episodes in and so forth. And for me, it's like a normal working day. I know it sounds funny. It's like a normal work. I just feel like when I get into this studio or when we're in the studio in Leamington or when we're doing it on Zoom or whatever it may be, for me, it was just like I'm at work. Bearing in mind the reason why we're here and being 50 episodes in, is this a happy room or a sad room? For me, I find it happy. Room. Yeah, right. I, I find it happy. Room. I look forward to coming. Yeah, right. I, I, look I do to... as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I, I quite often, yeah. sometimes, um, I'll come and work in here. Yeah, you know, my office is our office is next door yeah. where we're all, we all sit in the same office. But sometimes I'll just come and sit in here and work it's in here because I, I bore the life out of him. There is that yeah, as well. <laughs> I just want to say something else as well on top of what I've just said because we were talking about obviously work with mm. with uh, David and and not knowing those individuals on a on a you know a deep personal level and um, because of the projects he was on at the time when we lost lily i was in my training year as a teacher so i was 6 months into my training year i didn't particularly know the staff very well i'd okay. only been in the school since the september and when i went back to work i think it was probably about 6 6 weeks after or something like that my whole perception of teaching had completely changed because of the school that i worked in mm. tough kids who just quite frankly didn't give a toss. And um, there were members of staff. There was one member of staff, and I I explicitly remember him coming up to me and talking to me because it had happened to him 28 years prior. He was the only member of staff who ever said anything to me. And this includes even the ones that were in my own department, in, in in the PE department. What did he say? He didn't need to say a lot. He just came up and he said... This happened to me 28 years ago. If ever you're in a lesson or anything like that and you just need to speak to somebody, my door is always open. Lovely. Science teacher. That's yeah. all I needed to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. That's all you need sometimes. That's all I needed. And, and I obviously can see who's tuning into these podcasts when we're on Facebook. Mm. And I know there are people that tune into these podcasts who I used to work with, who I had good relationships with, who I know that, knew my story i know there are some who i could be quite open with and talk to and i know that there are some who didn't say anything to me yet they tune into these podcasts Mm. and it's very it's weird actually that i was in their company for such a long period of time yet never said anything but now they're tuning into what we're doing, and it's almost like a, an education for them. That's it. Maybe they're that, exactly. That, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, they've experienced it through me, and even yeah. though I didn't know them particularly well, they knew a lot that. about the charity and stuff like that. But which is, but actually, the educational side of things is, they may very well be tuning in because it might have happened to somebody else that they know or something, yeah. and, and it's Precisely. good in that respect. And that, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing it. And they might. Have wanted to say something, yeah, absolutely, but, but didn't know if it's going to make it worse. Yeah, if they're going to say the wrong thing. Yeah, no, examples absolutely. of that. Yeah. Also, how approachable do you think you would have appeared to them at the time? 
Yeah, that... I wasn't approachable. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good. See what I mean? I'm, and somebody just said, "Good question." I think that that might have been David that said that. Yeah. It's a, it, that's actually it is. It's a really good question because, because everyone's so different in the, yeah. the your body language. Well, you know what I mean. So yeah, some members of staff I, I would have appeared approachable too because I think in schools. I mean, Matt knows because he's been in schools himself. You don't get on with every member of staff. Because I've seen you on a football pitch. That's why no one approaches you after the game. <laughs> <laughs> you do have members of staff that mm. you are closer with. Yeah. And yes, I was approachable probably to them, but then there were probably other members of staff mm. who I would never have spoken to. I just find it interesting because I do think that yeah. people probably did want to say something but never did. Yeah, I'm sure Because the they maybe didn't know how to say or what to say. And it's good, actually, that they probably do tune in now. And yeah, of course. They might not watch the whole thing, but if it helps them with somebody else, then it's it's really good. I think people tend to view us too as, as fragile in those moments. Yes. Like, yeah, and I've yeah, heard yeah. this from friends. It's like, oh, well, I didn't want to say anything because I was afraid I would upset you. And yeah. they're approaching it from that. And I think my, my answer usually in those situations are like, well, it's always on my mind. There's never a, a moment where it's not mm. just like adjacent to whatever we're talking about. Like mm. if you brought it up, yeah, I might be very emotional at the time. I might not, but I'm always happy to talk about it. Mm. It's better to be acknowledged. Have you ever come across yeah. a film or a TV program or something that you've had to edit or something like that in the past prior to losing Valentine that was around the loss of a baby in any way, shape or form? Not, not that I can remember, but I do realize that like, there's so much, when it comes to storytelling so much of it revolves around family, mm. whether or not, you know, it's a baby or, but it's like, it's very, like so much of it is family oriented. And I think I certainly realized how much of it is family oriented afterwards when you're just watching mm. any, some random thing on television, and all of a sudden you're in the middle of a birth scene, like, right, yeah. and it happens all of the time. You don't yeah. really notice that until you don't want to see it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, no, absolutely. And it's just everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the reason I ask you that is because, um, there is actually a, a movie out there with David Tennant in it, and it's called You, Me, and Him. Um, mm. And we we actually went to the premiere of it. And how old is it? Oh, five or six okay. years, What's maybe. It you, me, and him. You, me, and him. Um, we went to the premiere of it and um, had no idea what it was actually about when we got there. And it turns oh. out there is a stillbirth in the film, and we were sat mm. in the premiere, and Amy just stood up and walked straight out because we had yeah. no idea what it was about. Um, and we, we actually spoke to David Tennant's wife who wrote the film afterwards and uh, she learned a lot from that. Interesting. It's amazing. She learned an awful yeah. lot from that. How did you feel that with the film? Could you have stayed if you were... If you were just to, obviously differences from person to person. Um, yeah, I, personally I could have stayed but my priority at that point was course, Amy yeah, who had yeah. left but mm. I could have stayed and watched it. That, things like that, that, they don't tend to trigger me but I can understand how it does yeah. trigger other people yeah, um, because I think I'm I've got an ability to be able to know that whatever's happening on that screen is make believe it's not ooh, it's not real you know it, it's written for entertainment purposes so I, I have a, a way of being able to just it's being objective isn't disassociate it? Yeah. myself yeah. with that um, mm -hmm. whereas some people can get quite engrossed in things and that's not so I can't get engrossed in things like prison break I thought was real because it was brilliant <laughs> You know, do you know what I mean? Prison Break. <laughs> Prison Break. Yeah. Prison break. <laughs> First series was, then it was shit. Yeah. Nah, it's how many times can you break out of a prison? Series yeah, yeah. four, still breaking. <laughs> nah, the one in And the... he started whispering nah. more and more with each series. By the time it got to series 28, and they're still in like every yeah, yeah, yeah. jail in the, in the world, it's yeah. like, we've got a 
break out. Like, <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> Is that why it's called prison break? Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but like, yeah. And, and I think for me, yeah. what was interesting was being able to then talk to people after yeah. and explain that actually the way they did it in the film was very, very good. But they needed to be explicitly clear, certainly within a premiere, knowing full well there were going to be people in there that had experienced baby loss, that this is going to have scenes of baby loss because, like I say, we had no idea what it was about. Yeah, it's interesting because um, he's not for everyone. I get that. You either like the bloke or you don't. But I'm a big Ricky Gervais fan. Oh, he's my hero. Um, yeah, but he, there's the, but he's chalk. Literally, there's yeah, nothing yeah. in between he's Ricky Mama. Gervais. Mama. You either like yeah. him or you are just completely mm-hmm. the other end. And we went to see a live. I went with, to see a live show, one of his stand ups with uh, with a couple of mates, and he did a joke mm. on it. Well, another uh, right, know, yeah. yeah. And I didn't didn't laugh mm. because I couldn't laugh mm. because of my experience. Yeah. And he told the joke, and and to be honest, there was, I I don't think anyone. I think everyone kind of just went, ooh. But you remained a fan. Well, I did, yeah, yeah. and I still am because I I. But Crystal, on the other hand, can't stand him. Can't stand, and even more so now after she'd heard. Right. Well, yeah. Although she likes Derek. That. You love Ricky Gervais. You're a religious man. He's openly atheist. Very yeah, very openly atheist. Yeah. I hadn't thought this till you mentioned it because have you seen um, Afterlife? Is yeah. it Afterlife? Brilliant. Because yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, I love that show. Absolutely brilliant. Have you seen that, Ryan? It's, it's, it, it, lost, yeah, lost his one, wife. There's one scene I like in it, but I can't, I can't you know, say the fun. word. No, no, I can't say the word live on here because okay. it's the C-bomb. Okay. Yeah. It's where he, where he talks a little gin, uh, fat ginger kid. Right, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's in the first... Yeah, that's the first ever episode. Yeah, first episode, yeah. It's yeah. the yeah. bit that really did make me yeah, laugh. Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah he, he, push, he pushes the limits. He does push yeah. the limits. Because the whole he show does. was a perspective about grief and it was yeah. a different role for him and it still had the elements of humour. It's dark humour. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I found it... Yeah. I was brilliant. Yeah. absolutely loved it. But yeah, I think that's the other thing as well as, as you, like David touched upon earlier in in the show earlier on tonight where he said, um, you've changed, right? As a person, you have. And, yeah. and and you're getting to know that new person and you have to get to know yourself. You have to get to know the people around you again. And you have to also get to know what your limits are as well, right? And And it's difficult then for people to understand who haven't been through a loss, who aren't or aren't around the world of the loss because everyone's unique in their in their journey and their story and 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 people who haven't been through a loss it's that whole kind of thing around someone saying well it was just a miscarriage right right yeah. and adding that word just on in front of it mm. it's not it's not but it's not but 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 that's the perspective that's the public perspective as well right uh, yeah it, it always gets me what you're supposed to oh yeah i didn't realize that thanks for letting me know i'm yeah. okay now yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah. Yeah. and it's it's the public perspective of the subject, but every show that we do, every download that we have, every listen that we have is slowly but surely just breaking that stigma, breaking that those barriers down. And, yeah. you know, we may not see it for a long time, but eventually I genuinely believe that people will have be, be more than comfortable to have the conversation around baby loss around child loss because the data is there we won't go into it now but it's there of how much how often it it happens Mm -hmm. right 
you know? So much yeah. more than anyone ever thinks. And there, yet there, no one really talks about it. And I think it's, it is frustrating when you have these conversations with people and they, and people tend to just lump all baby loss into the sort of same area. Mm. And they, yeah. you know, they'll say it's just a miscarriage or you had a miscarriage or like everybody has a different story. Everybody's grief is different. Everybody's pain is different. Mm. And I think part of it is like wanting, like talking to you guys is wanting to tell your story to anyone that will listen. Cause it helps you. It helps the people you're talking to understand you better. Mm. And to maybe, you know, empathize with you a little more. There seems to be a bigger collective of, of people in England, apparently, but I, there's no real support group out here for men. Mm. And maybe this is a way to sort of get something going, or Absolutely. at least have someone reach out that needs, you know, that might want to talk about it in the States. It's, I can't um, wait to come over to LA. Yeah, so, would be. <laughs> so I, I'm touching yeah. that Hollywood sign, baby. I'm telling you what. Right, You'll get arrested, Matt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> You think there would be like, these resources I, I, out there? Yeah, I can't find anything that I, that I know of. So, Is that not yeah. something, David, that you think... I mean, I'm not saying that it, it needs to be specifically you that starts up, you know, a, maybe a motion like that. But mm-hmm. if there's nothing out there, then maybe there is something somewhere where you... Who knows, you might get some feedback from your episodes and stuff from other dads out there. I mean, you know, we've obviously spoken to Chris Douglas and we spoke with every, every, Josh Hughes and Josh every, as well. Every and American episode, uh, I guess we've had, has said the same thing. They've yeah. all said exactly so, the same thing. And yeah. you sort of think, well, maybe there is an opportunity for you to be able to break that stigma over there. You know, I'd love that. If it was, you know, Los Angeles is such a huge city and there's mm. probably just many, so many men that have lost babies. Mm. And and yet, I don't know any of them. And we'll have to put you in the touch with the other. Small. The American guys that we've had on, maybe can do. What a be, I, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here, and probably for after the podcast, would what would be brilliant is you know is is if you did get in contact with those other dads, and we could get you all on one podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. and yeah. and you know maybe there was a group of you that's all sat in a room. We could do something. It'd be brilliant to do something like that. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll head on over. David's connected, obviously, isn't he? We can get the uh, the, <laughs> the the Los Angeles branch of the Still Parents Podcast Studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing I do want to bring up, and if you don't mind, this is something for you and Matt, because you had, as we said at the start, you've had your first yeah. anniversary of the loss of Valentine. It was it was a week last week, last Friday, so a week before we, mm-hmm. we recorded this episode. Matt, in I think just two weeks from now, it's the first first of June. Yeah. It will June. be the seventh anniversary of losing Callie. So those uh, obviously although six years apart, the you know, the time of year is very similar. I'm trying to think of a better way to phrase it than compare notes because it, the different, you know, it's one year and, and seven years. How you dealt with uh, you and your wife, Barb, that first anniversary last Friday, and how you went about your day, if you don't mind talking on it. I know it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know. Going through this experience, I think every up until this first year anniversary, like there's all these firsts. You know, there's the first Mother's Day, there's the first Father's Day, there's first Christmas, there's the first. You know, like we've been through all of these firsts already, and I think there's this anticipation as you approach it that it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to be, but you feel this like this angst, and it comes along, and you realize like, oh, I made it through that. It was okay. It's okay. I can make it. But I felt the same way heading into the one year anniversary. Like I don't know what it's going to feel like, but we'll be okay. And I was kind of wrong. Like it destroyed us. It absolutely destroyed us. And, and, you know, we very much leaned into it. We didn't, we have all these pictures and videos from him in the NICU of being alive and us, you know, holding his hands. And so we revisited some of those, all of them, you know, we looked at everything and we talked about it. We, we read things that we wrote after the loss, you know, we just, we dove in head first and it was like, 
it was brutal. It was really, really hard. We tried to do our best in celebrating his birth and in mourning his death. You know, one was on a Friday, one was on a Saturday. And, you know, by the end of the weekend, we were just depleted. Like it, like Monday came around and it was just like, I don't, I don't know if I can even work today. Yeah. You know, much harder than I thought it would be. But I'm also glad that we went through that and that we did it together and that we talked about it a lot and engaged with it. Because I don't know what it would feel like if we just sort of like didn't do that. There's a very universal language there as well that David's just been talking about, which is the firsts of everything. Yeah. The universal side of it is that, yeah, the angst in the lead up to, you know, that specific day or that specific week or, yeah. you know, whatever it may be, is um, the language used is exactly the same. Mm. Nine times out of ten, the build-up tends to be worse than the actual day yeah. itself from my experience. Yeah. That's not to say everybody's but, experience is, is like that, but from my experience, it's usually the build-up is worse than the actual day because you don't actually have a choice but to get on with your day. So you've got it with you. And I always used to have, well, always have Lily's birthday off, off work, always have done. Even when I was teaching, there was no way I was going to go in and work. So we, myself and Amy would do something, whether that was going for a walk or... Still do that now? Still do it now. Yeah. yeah. Because for us, that's just our, that's our time. Even though the kid, you know, the other children are at school, that's our time to be able to remember yeah. or we'll go to take the cemetery a and take a moment and stuff like that. It's interesting, like obviously the way David's just explained it there, and it's just so universal, and it we hear that a lot, don't we, Matt? Absolutely, yeah. The the issue that me and Crystal have is June is completely bookended, so her her birthday is the first, and her funeral's the twenty eighth of June. Mm-hmm. So we've got the whole kind of spread. I'm completely, I'm an open book. I always have been since we lost Callie, and I'm, you know, I've had one of those days today. It's the anticipation. It comes every year. It's just completely shit. Every year, this thing comes around that you can't do anything about. You can't avoid it. You can't change it. You can't, you know, in general, something happens, you can knock it out of the way, right? But you can't with this. You have to just head into it's it. Relentless, it's all, yeah. Right? Yeah. This is why on her birthday, I, I do mental, physical challenges because it is, it's my way of distracting me. It's my way of, what Ryan said, right? It's the it's the man thing. You, you distract yourself, right? In general, I don't do that. I tend to kind of embrace them. But on her birthday, that is my way of. I've got something to focus on. It's funny because one of my mates said, like, because obviously I've put my just giving page out. He says, "I ain't sponsoring you again." He says, "It's just another run." He said, "You run all the time." He says, "Do something different, right?" And fair play to him, right? And I thought, you know, what? he's got a point. But it's like. The thing about it is the reason I do a running challenge is because on the lead up to her birthday, I ramp it even my running ramps up and I have to ramp it up because the challenges I tend to do are bonkers. Are, <laughs> are things that you you know not normal people would do, right? Tell David quickly what your challenge was last year. A four by four by forty eight challenge. So you run four miles every four oh, right. hours yeah. for forty eight hours, that. right? So I did that last year. Four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Yeah. yeah. I joined in for one of the four miles. <laughs> yeah. That's and something. that was enough for me. Yeah. It's, it sounds miserable. Yeah. So it's miserable. <laughs> yeah. Miserable is the word, right? But it, <laughs> but it, but on a weird way, the yeah. pain, the pain that I go through on that, on that oh, day yeah. or the pain that I go through physically 
It's like a defence mechanism. Yeah, and it doesn't even come anywhere near to the pain that you yeah. experienced when you lost Cali. Exactly. Mm. I did a training run yesterday. I was halfway through and I was finding it tough, but you then go back. Mm. You do. You just go back and you're like, and you talk to her. And I do. I Come on, just get me through this, right? And and she always does, you know, and, and I always mm. finish it. And so this year it's 38 miles in a day in 12 hours. So that's... Running from my house to the office and back in the same day. So. It's two things. First, and the most important thing, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a stunning thing to do. And the amount of effort and energy and endurance that you need to go through that. But do consider what you're going to have to do in 10 more years. <laughs> well, I've already... I've, <laughs> if you keep ramping it up like this... Well, I've already fought my next one anyway, so I'm not going to tell you that yet. So. What, run around the world in an hour? No, no, no. no. <laughs> you, you were talking about the anticipation and the, and the lead up to obviously the date as well. Yeah. I'll yeah. never forget somebody asking me what it actually feels like when you get to that day mm. and the anticipation mm. and stuff. And um, It's very, very difficult to be able to, to explain it, but I said just imagine you're stood with your legs open knowing that on Tuesday, someone is literally going to come with a baseball bat and smash you in the bollocks. Yeah. There's something about pain, too, when it comes to relating to, to the loss of Valentine. And I think I realized this early on, is because it's the most experienced emotion when he was alive and when we were going through what we were going through, that it's the thing I gravitate towards yeah. to sort of help put me back in that place. Of, of of when he was here and what we were experiencing, it's the most like tangible emotion okay. that I have that I can like you know associate to him. Yeah, I think on those anniversaries, I think you know, and all the other times, and you know, the day to day, it's much easier to sort of like think of the the beautiful things and the good things and live in that. For whatever reason, and maybe it's just because it's still early in my grief, but I tend to lean into that as as a as a way to connect. Mm. I mean, maybe that's why you, you run or you do these things. The big thing for me that I had to get my head around as well was because, and, and Crystal is really big for this one as well, is every year that we had that's passed since Callie's birth, we felt we were leaving her behind. Mm. Yeah. And Crystal really felt, tried, like, kind of went through that. But actually, I then had a mate of mine say to him, well, you're not because she's always with you anyway so yeah d the words that david used depleted yeah absolutely you know mentally drained like i said what you do every year is you just again like i'll go back to it it's like learning a new skill it's not a skill that you wanted it's not a skill that you didn't you're gonna have but you just learn little bits here and there that right i've been here before so i know i know how to the problem unfortunately the problem with the first one is you've never been there have you done anything different or things that you don't do from the, the early anniversaries that you has changed mm. now how you how you I, remember Kelly? To be fair, the last couple of birthdays, and again this year, we're at home. So before that, we were always on holiday. Last year was the first, first time we were at home for a birthday. And Crystal said on the, on the evening, she went, oh, I think we'll do that every year. We'll be at home because we felt closer. And again, it's not okay. because she's, she's with us. Like I said, things change, things evolve, like everything. And sometimes you may not feel quite as bad as you did the year before, or you might feel worse. And it don't, mm -hmm. that's where the logic doesn't make sense. Well, some, 
That's where that makes sense. Because well, it'll all be mixed in with where you're generally at anyway with, with life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. How, how yeah. you feeling, how you work, family stress, everything. And this is on, yeah. That's where I am going to have to be careful as I get older because I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, you've got to look at your physical self and, and think, you know, what am I going to keep doing? Not can I do that? I can't yeah, wait I can. for the day when he does the Zimmer frame challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your man who raised money during um, lockdown. Be like him, going round on my Zimmer frame, round. You know, what was his Tom? Tom uh, Major Captain, Tom. Captain, yeah. Captain Tom. Tom That's Tom. him. Yeah. Going round with my Zimmer frame. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Doing laps in my garden. <laughs> I, I I did this thing when when after uh, probably in August, maybe maybe three four months after he passed away, and 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 I, I had this time to go backpacking. I went into the mountains, into the Sierras. I went by myself, like solo. You know, it was scary to like leave, you know, you just go out there by yourself. But I, I was like, I was just an animal and I hiked like 50 miles in three days and climbed 14,000 feet. Wow. And I just couldn't stop yeah. because while I'm moving and while I'm like experiencing this fatigue and pain, like I'm just thinking of him and I'm out in the middle of nowhere by myself, I can switch everything off and I can focus on, on the one thing, you know, everything, the outside world is sort of like gone at that point. I, that, exactly. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly that. Because you're suffering, aren't you? Any sort of physical activity to that extent, yeah. you're suffering. So you need to divert all your energy and attention to that. Plus, as Matt yeah. said, it's never going to, and Ryan, it's never going to be, never going to be that pain. And I'm guessing where you are as well. If you hadn't, you know, if you had sat down and you probably got eaten by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but, certainly yeah. something like, a, like men do. Like Gotta get just, I don't know. You it know, is. Like it's it's very much, yeah, it's like the, I mean, I'm assuming you've heard of Bear grills. It's very Bear grills like isn't it? Where yeah. you take yeah. yourself away from civilization and what we know because it, you do, you have to be, you ha yeah, you do, you have mm. to be within yeah. your own mind and your own self to know that. It's discipline and channeling focus. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I really think now, after hearing what David's adventure was, that Matt and David should do some sort of transatlantic challenge between the two of them. There's, there's an idea. Row across the Atlantic yeah. or something yeah. like that. You yeah. start, you start at one row. end. We'll meet each other in the middle. Meet somewhere. in the middle for a, a sandwich. And then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> and then row back. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah, that, that. <laughs> yeah. Matt will be up for it, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, gents, yeah. we've been on for uh, for over an hour now, so I'd like to ask if anyone's got anything else that they'd like to uh, to mention to go over. And obviously, David, anytime you want to come back on the show, you're more you're more than welcome. I've got yeah, about ten yeah. percent of the way through the things I had planned to ask you tonight, so that just <laughs> yeah. sort of testament to you how easy you are to talk to, considering everything and how recent it is that yeah, you've gone through. So big ups, David. Thank you very much for joining us again. Yeah, and Thanks. you realize after an hour that you can't really get through much. There's so uh, I felt that way after the last one. Yeah, like it was an hour we didn't get through. There's so much more to talk about. Even yeah, for yeah. me and you guys have had so many more conversations with other people, I'm sure. There's a still so much left unsaid. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing it. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I absolutely. reckon we could have a part three at some point. Definitely. Trilogy. 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 It fits in well with a uh, film editor, doesn't it? A producer it does, and yeah, superstar. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, thank you very much, David, for, uh, yeah. for, for coming on. Thank you for being such a fantastic guest and an inspiration, yeah. I think, to, uh, to people who, who stumble across this podcast, whenever it is. It could be in five years from now. You know, that's the thing. It's, it's yeah, relevant, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. David, yeah. thank Brilliant. you very much. Uh, thank you very much. Take care. Love to your family. You too. Oh, well, Matt did the Birmingham Half Marathon before I forget last week. How are you feeling? You okay? 
No, I thought, yeah, I did it with my sister who did very, very well. Her first ever one my... and, and she did really well. Oh, fair play. She did really well. That's really amazing. good. Yeah. Although, the, all th- considering what we've just been talking about, that's probably like quite easy for you now, isn't it? It's like a warm, it's like a warm <laughs> Walk up. in the park. Just to, it's just 12 miles, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, yeah. it was a tough old course to be fair. And she, she picked a good one to do. They changed the course up. And she, I don't think she really appreciated it because every time I told her, this is like tougher than I've ever done. She kept <laughs> kind of looking at me, like side-eyeing, like cheers. No, it was, yeah, it was good. All good. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Still Parents Podcast is our stillparentspodcast.co.uk, our website, Still Parents Podcast on Instagram. Thank you to anyone who has sent, we, we haven't uh, forgotten yet, anyone who has been sending messages recently. We've, uh, Matt deals with them. We've, people, again, as we always say, it's it's good, but it's bad because it's it's reaching parts of the world we weren't expecting. And you've been uh, talking to, I think, someone in Australia. Paraguay as well. Paraguay. Paraguay, David. David Perez that I've emailed back so me and him are talking Is now David or David David Paraguay. might be David yeah but yeah he's so he's well, he's from Paraguay so he's yeah. going to come on at some point as well so, yeah. I wasn't expecting Paraguay to come out <laughs> yeah <laughs> and some Aussies as well good day mate yeah good day yeah Matt was saying there's a there's a chap who's been um, who's been messaging and it's I guess it's stereotypes like we say mate all the time <laughs> Matt goes every email is mate he's always started it with good day or was it yeah. you right there? no oh, that yeah. was Matt good day mate good day mate fantastic yeah, yeah. anyway we're waffling on now so we'll get out of it <laughs> uh, David thank you take care buddy and we'll speak to you again very soon Ryan and Matt all the very yeah, best we'll guys. see you next week this has been episode 53 of the Still Parents podcast look after yourselves everyone and we'll, we'll be back very very soon take care bye bye see you soon <laughs> <laughs>